Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a podcast dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Bucklew. Hello, friends. Welcome to Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives. I am your host, Arlenis. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode. It's always a joy to be here listening to testimonies of salvation of so many brothers and sisters in Christ. And before we get to our testimony for today, I just want to remind you guys, give you guys some reminders that if you want to stay up to date with what's happening on the podcast and who's going to be the next guest, uh, just make sure that you go and follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll be notified whenever we release a new episode. Uh, just feel free to share with your friends and family. And I hope that this can, this can continue to be a blessing for you all. Uh, that is our goal, that you will be encouraged. And if you don't know Christ, that through the testimonies that you hear on this podcast, you will come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And on that note, today, I would like to introduce my guest for today. A lot of our friends at church know him as Ranger Joe, because <laughs> we were talking about that before we started recording this episode. But please help me welcome Pastor Tom Patton. Thank you for having me. This is a privilege. It's going to be great. I've seen these, and I just wondered, you know, why I wasn't being asked. And so now that I'm asked, I'm so glad that to be a part of it. But thank you for having me. It is an honor to have you. And honestly, I had thought about asking you, but I think I feel more encouraged to do so after we started. Uh, we worked and recording some episodes for teaching tips. Yeah. And, you know, just like being able to finally meet you in person. And I was like, okay, maybe he won't feel weird if I ask him now. <laughs> I thought that you, I don't know. That's what I thought. No, thank you. Was, in fact, today I was telling some people, I go, I'm, I'm going to be interviewed. And they go, is it with her? <laughs> I'm going, how do you know? They go, oh, this is amazing. This is a great, great opportunity. Uh, and I'm going, I'm honored. So Yeah. Well, I guess it's because they get to, they've been seeing a lot of people from Grace, right? Yeah, like yeah. Uh, a lot of the people that I had before come from Foundation Bible Study and yeah other people that, you know, other people that friends have told me about. So it's always a joy to to get to know the people that we go to church with. And yeah. I'm looking forward for today because I've heard like little pieces of your testimony. Like when we were working together, I'm like, hmm, I want to know more. Like I want to <laughs> know like, you know, where the Lord uh, brought you out of. And, you know, like I always say, the Lord brings us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Mm. And uh, I I love that just hearing not this, you know, we hear the stories of people that they come here, but it's really God's work on each and everyone's life. So I'm really excited for to have you here today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So normally I like to um, have my guests just give us a little background about their upbringing, their family, you know, mm. what you're raised in a believing home and please feel free to share as much as you like. I mm. always say I like the juicy details. <laughs> so as much as information as you like. Yeah. Well, I was born at a very young age. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, you know, I was raised in a Christian family. My mom and dad were believers. This, uh, to go really far back, when I was five years old, I'm coming home from a trip, and I'm in the back seat, and I'm looking up in the stars and the sky and the clouds, and I actually leaned forward to my mom and dad, and I said, um, I think God wants me to be a preacher. 
And they were like, what? You know, all my other siblings are asleep and they're going, oh, this is amazing. That's so great. And so I got home and they gave me a King James Bible, which you know, I couldn't read. I was five years old, but I got it. And I, I remember like being caught reading it, you know, in my room, but it was upside down because I, but I knew that that was the right thing to do. But I was raised as a very moral young man. Um, I was always the goody two shoes on the playground. I was the guy that didn't cuss and, you know, didn't do anything that was wrong because I was going to be a pastor. That's what I believed. And, um, my parents, again, were thrilled with that. And so my brother and sisters, we all went to church. If you didn't go to church, dad literally, if you said you were sick, he gave you a thermometer to make sure it's true <laughs> to where, you know, are you really that sick? And you're going, oh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, whatever I could do to heat it up. But uh, we went to church and dad was a, here's a little side bit. My father is Phil Johnson's dad's Sunday school teacher. So to say it another way, so we came from Wichita, Kansas. That's where Phil Johnson's family's from. So my dad taught Phil's dad uh, many, many years ago. Then we all migrated to Tulsa, Oklahoma together. So we were always in the church. We, it was just a part of what we did. I was a youth leader, you know, growing up uh, in the Methodist church and just always thinking I was going to be a pastor. So yeah, it was definitely the Bible was there. It's different though, because it was an Armenian church, so it was not uh, Reformed theology, and that had some differences in terms of how I understood God. But it was sentimental. I thought I loved him. I didn't know what repentance was. I didn't even know, if you said, are you saved, I wouldn't know what that meant. Because I wouldn't know what to be saved from. And I'll tell you even more later on, but uh, when I did get saved, my mom cried because she thought I had been my whole life type of thing. So, and she didn't know my life though. So how do you remember, you know, like your parents teaching you God's word, teaching you the gospel or telling you that, you know, whenever you sin, like that's sin, like calling it for what it is. See, Methodists don't really call sin, sin. They call it mistakes. Mm -hmm. That's just something Mm -hmm. that the way I was raised. So... You know, it's interesting. Like, we went to church. Dad was a moral man. He didn't drink, uh, you know, so there was morality in the house. Mm-hmm. But to be truthful with you, he, um, very strong personality. My dad was an underwater demolition team from World War II. He was a uh, semi-pro baseball player. He was a boxer. He just, he was a real man's man. So he he smoked cigarettes every day and drank coffee studying the Bible. So he'd be sitting there. He was like a, he's like this kind of merchant marine. You know, you come downstairs. Dad was always reading the Bible. I think he read through it, he said, 200 times. And he was just puffing away, drinking his coffee, you know, and just studying the Word of God. And so I did grow up with that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of sin being classified as sin, it just mm-hmm. didn't, it didn't come off that way. It wasn't that we had a double life per se, but it was like kind of relegated to Sunday mornings and and to be moral. Um, and yet at the same time, if there were moral mistakes made or, or sin, it wasn't really compared to God's Word, honestly. I remember when my father passed away, I asked uh, Pastor John to contact him because I wanted him to have a word with him before he passed. And uh, my father passed away before John could do it, but John did call me and I said, you know, I'm just concerned for my dad because, you know, of his his theology, his Arminianism. And he said, he goes, Tommy just didn't realize the greatness of his salvation. That's mm-hmm. it. And so I've always had comfort in that, that, you know, he, he definitely had a knowledge of God. But I remember when I first got saved, jumping ahead, uh, he asked me one time when I was visiting, he said, let me ask you a question. He goes, why did Christ have to die? Wouldn't there be another way that the Father could have done that? So, and I felt like I was kind of teaching him, though I was a new believer. So he, 
he had a he read all the right books he he you know had he read Bonhoeffer and he had all his commentaries that I inherited when he passed away but he had a a reluctance about the surety of his salvation mm. I think you know and that's kind of kind of part of what they have when you grow up in the Methodist church you can lose your salvation you're not sure of it so yeah. there was some but in the midst of that I still was raised morally but I wasn't raised uh, in a very disciplined way when it came mm-hmm. to the, the the Bible. I mean, we went to vacation Bible school and stuff like that, and I knew I knew the stories, but I didn't know the theology. One time I was in, uh, I think it was a junior in high school, and I went away with a group to Canada for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes mm-hmm. uh, because I was an athlete at the time. And we went up there, and I a lot of things happened that made me very desperate. There was a girl I liked. She broke up with me on the bus. <laughs> 1,200-mile trip, and like five miles out, I'm going, hello, can I go home? You know, and we didn't have cell phones back in the days, and I'm going, I'm just going to have to suffer this out. And so I went all the way up to this uh, island in, uh, I think it's called Malibu Island in Canada, and I bought a Bible. And so the first time I read the book of James was when I was a junior in high school, and I'm just looking at it, you know, consider it all joy, my brother, because I needed it. So that's kind of the way I was brought up, so considered Christian, uh, but... It was Christianity light. It really was. Yeah. How would you describe yourself before Christ? What was happening in your life? How mm. was Tom before the Lord finally brought him to, to himself? Well, you know, I thought that the Lord wanted me to be a pastor when I was young, and then I discovered something called acting. And so I was in fifth grade, and I watched a kid do... Um, Patrick Henry's Give Me Liberty, Give Me Death speech. And I saw that, and all the kids were watching him, and I'm thinking, oh, I want to do that. Maybe I was confused. Maybe I don't want to be a pastor. Maybe it's just being in front of people. You know, that Mm -hmm. was the thing. I didn't have that conscious thought, but I made that transference. And so I started to love acting. I started to pursue acting in terms of, you know, I was in junior high school. I was trying to get on TV shows in Tulsa, which were very sparse, and I was doing plays. So I think for me, somehow, someway, I got re kind of configured into that direction and when I went to college um to answer your question because I was an athlete I was playing football I was doing stuff but my focus really was on performing my dad said uh, you want to go to the University of Oklahoma and I said oh yeah I love the football program I tried to walk on there didn't make it and uh he he goes okay I'll do it and I go but I want to study acting he goes mm-hmm. I'll only pay for it if you study business and I'm going oh man i Okay, because I wanted to be in the fraternity system. I was a Sigma Chi. I wanted to be, you know, that kind of person. So I went to school studying business. So to get a full picture of who Tom was, uh, you know, this is just hard to say, but if you ever saw the movie Animal House, which you're probably too young to have seen it, uh, but Animal House was all about partying in a fraternity system where it all had to do with booze and girls and the whole thing. And that's what I thought life was mm. about. When I went to college, that's what we tried to duplicate. I mean, that was completely our experience. And I probably would have been, you know, just wasted away in that for years and years. But two years into my college experience, uh, a film came in town that was called The Outsiders from Tulsa, Oklahoma. There was a uh, Francis Ford Coppola directed The Godfather, directed Apocalypse Mm. Now. And so here I am in the midst of all this kind of just you know, seeking the things that are totally wrong in a holy, unholy way. And this movie came in town, which I didn't know at the time, but kind of got my attention away from school. And I thought, oh, I want to go do this. I told my dad I want to do this. So I went down, asked my dad if I could take uh, spring break off. 
and uh, auditioned and got a part in this film with this huge director and uh, Tom Cruise was in the film. I, that's who I fought in the rumble scene. And he wasn't Tom Cruise at the time. He was just this guy, you know. In fact, I remember saying to him, I'm going, so why are you here from Los Angeles? You know, because I'm just from Oklahoma. And he goes, well, I'm an actor. And I go, well, yeah, I'm an actor too. He goes, no, actually, I mean, like I'm in films. <laughs> I'm going, oh, wow. And so there was a film he had done called Taps. And he said, why don't you go watch that? And so I went and watched it, came back to our rehearsal. And I'm saying, oh, my goodness, you're like a real guy. You're like the thing. I got involved with that, which was actually very, very helpful for me. Because when I went back to university after that, I studied acting. I told my dad, see, I told you I could do this. You know, acting in college is very much filled with a lot of effeminate men. And um, they're all you know, just very dark and very much, uh, everybody, it's like Depeche Mode, everybody black and smoking cigarettes. And I just, I did it for one semester, was in a play and I thought, you know, I don't want to do this. I want to go to Hollywood where the real guys are, mm. uh, you know, real men, macho men. So I asked my dad for money and he said, you know, I, I don't understand what you're doing, but I'll give you, I'll sell our boat that we had a little fishing boat, he gave me the money to go to California. So I came out here and that was in 1982. Before my life in Christ, I was just pursuing acting. I told you earlier I was a bartender, the only bartender at Grace Church, uh, <laughs> pastor at Grace Church who was a bartender. I always joke about it. I'm the only guy that can read a wine list uh, at Grace Church because everybody else is like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, know, I know it's in uh, John 2, but other than that, I don't know what wine is. And um, so... I, I had that life. I was that guy who was in the working in the restaurant at night, pursuing acting during the day, uh, going to the gym, just doing everything that I thought that I should do to prepare for acting. You know what a headshot is, of course. You know, you get your headshot where you yes. turn in your headshot to yeah. say, this. I want this part and see if I look like this part. I had actually borrowed from another guy who was a bartender, his medals. He was an army ranger, so I had that picture of me on, you know, looking really serious. And that would come up later. I'll tell you why I say that. So that was just my whole life. So it was just pursuing that and pursuing everything that was related to that. Let me kind of give you to a little bit more. So I reached a point where my sister had gotten married and I went to the wedding and I met a gal there at the wedding who also was her little friend from when she was a child. And now she wasn't a child anymore. She was a woman and she was studying at Pepperdine. And she said, Hey, when we get back, why don't we see each other? So long story short, she wanted to get married, and I just did not want to marry. And so this is going to blow your mind, blows my mind. So in the meantime, I wasn't pursuing religion anymore, or at least the Christian faith at all. I was pursuing New Age mysticism. So I hope this is okay just to go through this whole thing. Oh, I got, yeah. I've got so much to say. Oh, please. <laughs> I, like I said, juicy details. That's where I okay. always tell well, people, just share juicy. everything. This might yes. be a little too juicy. So... Um, I was going through something called, uh, a friend of mine was an actor, and all of my friends were actors, and his uncle was a guy named George Siegel. Mm -hmm. And George Siegel actually was, had been nominated for an Oscar. He was a very popular actor back in the day, generations before me. And so Nick, a dear friend of mine, said, Tom, I want you to go to this thing called Insight. It's a transformational seminar. My uncle, George Siegel, who's a successful actor, did it, and he said it really helped him in his acting. And I go, okay, I'll try it out. You know? He goes, and if you don't like it, uh, you, know, you don't have to pay for it, but if you do like it, pay me back when you can. So I did it, and I don't know if you know what like Est is or Insight. There are all these transformational seminars that you take to kind of share your feelings and get mm. stuff out, and you, do, you go on little quests. Like one time I went on a quest where I... With 24 hours to actually create something and sell it. You know, this is your quest. And, you know, I, I 
painted a picture and sold it to somebody. Uh, it, was a, it was a lot of crazy stuff. And I did Insight 1, Insight 2, Insight 3, Insight Leadership. And about the time I got through that, and it, it did have a cultic feel to it, but I didn't know the difference between what is a cult and what is just me being uncomfortable. Eventually, after I'd finished all these different layers, and I'm like, now, like, there's nothing else for me to do, my friend Nick said, Tom, I got to tell you something. He goes, this is all a cover for the movement. And then all of a sudden you hear like music in the background. What does that mean? The movement. And it's like the movement of spiritual inner awareness, MSIA. And it was a new age cult. And uh, the guy was John Roger was the, which is ironic because John Rogers is a real uh, uh, kind of a concrete pillar in the church with our first translation of the Bible. But John Roger was a new age mysticism guy. And so I bought into it because Jesus was one of the ascended masters that you could meditate to. Uh, There was Confucius, there was Buddha, there was all kinds of different ascended masters, but he was one, and since I knew about Jesus a little bit, and I thought, oh, I'll I'll connect to God through Jesus, but there's many ways. So you would get a book, and you would read it uh, every day for a month, and then you would get another book, and you read it every day for a month, and it was kind of adding on your uh, philosophy of this movement. Mm-hmm. And then they teach you to meditate. So I used to meditate two hours a day. I literally would get into my room, turn off the lights and start to meditate, trying to connect to the sound current, which connects to the great love an ocean of mercy of God to connect to the light, L-I-G-H-T, which stands for living in his holy thoughts, all of these mm. things that are part of this uh, cult. And so I did that for six years, for six wow. years. And I thought I was becoming a better actor. I was getting acting jobs. I was uh, very popular with all kinds of people. And I thought, wow, this is really working for me. God's on my side. And so by the time, fast forward to this girl I was mentioning that wanted to marry me, I didn't know what to do. And so I thought, well, what should I do? I'm going to go to an astrologer to see what I should do. So I paid 75 bucks which I didn't have, to go to this woman who, she had to have my birthday, I had to tell, ask my mom exactly what time was I born, all these little details. And so for two hours, she unpacked my whole spiritual journey and told me I wasn't supposed to marry that girl. And I thought, you know, I thought so. You're right. You know, I'm on the same page. That is part of my journey. She's not. <laughs> and, um, and she said, but I see here in your chart also that there's a very strong thing for not only acting. She goes, I see that. And of course, she's going to tell me that. And she said, also for teaching. And I said, well, what would I teach? She said, I'm not sure. That's not clear. But anyway, long story short. So I go back to this poor girl and I said, you know, we're done. The astrologer told me it's over. You're not in my stars. And uh, that was really hard because I didn't, you know, want to hurt her. And and I, I cared for her. There was nothing wrong between us. It was just she wanted to get married and I didn't. Eight months later, she got married to somebody else, somebody that I knew. Somebody that was a young aspiring actor like me, whose father was in real estate like my dad's. Basically, she married a carbon copy of me. And um, it threw me. It really, really threw me. I felt like I had done the worst thing. I thought, what have I done? And so it was on July 4th. I can't remember the year exactly, but I went out and drank so much alcohol. It was tequila. I drank so much that I got pulled over on the 405 freeway, and I didn't even know I was driving. I didn't even know I was in my car. Uh, highway patrol pulled me over. I like kind of came to consciousness. So I'm like weaving all over the road, and 
this is before cell phones, so I don't know how how I got reported, but someone reported to the police. So wow. maybe this, maybe this is more than you're asking, but these are the juicy details. <laughs> so I wake up in jail and uh, wondering in my unsaved state, like why did I not die? You know why? What happened in California when you? have drunk driving issues, they make you go to AA classes, Alcoholics yeah. Anonymous. And so you do that uh, based on your blood level, uh, alcohol blood level. So I had to take 18 classes to, to during my suspension of my license and all this. And even though I hated it, I thought it was, oh, this is like horrible and all these people, hi, I'm an alcoholic, how are you? You know, my name's Tom, hey Tom. It was just like, Ugh. and the coffee was bad and I thought everybody was a loser, not knowing I was the biggest loser there. But um, so... <laughs> At the end of it, though, and I don't know if they still do this, but yeah. you would pray the, the Lord's Prayer at the end. You would, Our Father, which art in heaven. This is a part of their curriculum. Mm-hmm. And um, in the midst of my just lostness and my just, you know, confusion, I remembered that from growing up. And I thought, you know, there's something about Jesus. I don't know what, I've obviously done it wrong, yeah. but there's something about Jesus, and it's not this New Age mysticism thing, and it's not the way I was raised. I don't know what it is. So I had to take a bus for I don't know how many months, and I bought a Bible, and I started to read the Bible. And I don't know if you have one around here, but I had a red edition, you know, where the words of Christ are in red. Yeah. And I only read the red part. I wasn't going to read anything because I didn't trust anything. I'm, I'm just reading, literally me, I'm so brilliant. I'm on the you know bus just reading the red. And if there's any black, I pass through it. Where's more red? And I'll read the red part. Because I was really, really lost, you know, really yeah. lost. But I had a feeling just, again, from the way I was raised. That's why I tell people, you know, don't discourage, be discouraged when you're raising your kids and you're not seeing it happening or, you know, it doesn't seem like anything is sticking. No, you still be faithful because... I remembered that from my church experience of all the things, and that led me to curiosity to seek the truth. Through that, okay, this is, <laughs> you're probably going, I didn't know this story was going to go so long. Uh, there's I much, more, much yes. more. Uh, so during this time, I am really trying to sort out who I am, what's going on. I was teaching acting at this time, and I was having to take a bus to go teach acting. I was you know, eating before my acting class with this Bible. Uh, at this, there was a place called Ships years ago, before you were probably born, and uh, it was a really cool like deli. And I would be reading the Bible there, and there was like a homeless guy next to me, and he goes, uh, "That's a really big Bible," <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, yeah, it is." And I was reading John six, where Peter says, "You know, where else are we to go? You have, are the one with the words of eternal life," and I'm reading that exact portion when he said, "You know, count the cost." This homeless guy, count the cost. And I remember thinking to myself, everybody knows this except for me. Even the homeless guy knows that Jesus is the one and and I'm still lost in this. This is when it gets interesting. So I want to clean out my life because my life is just horrible, rock bottom, can't drive. You know, I'm going to AA classes. I'm feeling like I'm just completely at the end of myself. Not the picture I've wanted to be at my whole life. I wanted to be a successful person. I wanted to be, a, in a sense, a moral person, even though I rejected morality. I, I wanted to feel good about myself, yeah. and I didn't. I started to clean out my closet. I don't know if you've ever done that. Like, you just want to get organized, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm just, like, cleaning out my closet. I mean, just, that'll help. I'll get my bad <laughs> karma out, yes. you know? I'll, 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 I'll find a way to make my life a little bit better. And as I'm cleaning out the closet, I find this military uniform that I referred to earlier Mm -hmm. from a guy named Dean Richardson that I used to bartend with, and he'd given me this shirt. Six years I had it. 
And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I remember going to his mom's house and she, she had just laundered the thing. And so it had these medals. He needs to have that back. It's probably why things are going bad for me. You know, it's part of my bad karma. <laughs> and so literally, I mean, this is the way I'm thinking. Karma. So I find the guy. I go to the restaurant where we used to work. He wasn't there. They didn't know where he was. I get in the phone book back in the days when there was a phone book. And um, I found him. And I said, Dean, Tom Patton, I've got your Ranger medals, your uniform. I feel so bad. Six years, I need to give it back to you. He says, that's great. Why don't we uh, meet up and, you know, kind of go back through old times. And Which I thought was code for let's meet up and party. Mm. So I thought, okay, I'm good with that. Take the bus to the place, bring the shirt. And we worked at a restaurant in Santa Monica. And we went and we uh, met. And he, he was great. And then I ordered uh, a beer, and he ordered an iced tea. And I remember thinking, like, oh, man, please don't be an alcoholic. Don't tell me that, you know. And, and I go, why are you not ordering a drink? Yeah. And he said, because of my faith. And yeah. that's when he gave the most clear explanation of the gospel to me. In the meantime, Dean, who was my senior bartender instructor, got saved uh, was at Grace Community Church, was a member of Grace Church, and was just basically waiting for me to have an opportunity, to, for, for him to have an opportunity to speak to me about the gospel. So, man, he laid it out. Um, I think we talked for, th- or he talked for three hours. We were just like, you know, uh, I was amazed. But then he said my dog wasn't going to go to heaven, and I thought, then that can't be, that can't be God. You know, that, that's, <laughs> you know, thank you, Dean. It was nice talking to you, but this can't be true. And I remember even talking to him about like, because uh, he was explaining to me about how Jesus is God and mm-hmm. that I needed to repent and what repentance was. And, and I said, well, what do I what do? I do? Mm-hmm. And he goes, you can't do anything. And I go, well, this is stupid. What are you talking about? So I'm a sinner and God's demanding a change of my heart, but I can't do anything to make that heart change. So I said, you know, Dean, thanks anyway. And he goes, well, let's just meet one more time. So I did. I met with him, uh, went to, him, to his house and... Uh, uh, by the airport LAX and met his wife. And again, he tells the gospel to me, explains it. And at the end, we were about to leave. And he said, Tom, he goes, I think you're searching, but I don't think you're saved. And I didn't even know what saved meant. But I felt, and I, to this day, I remember it felt like he hit me in the stomach with a two by four. Mm. Like he just, boom. And I thought, oh, I'm offended now. Dean, do not communicate with me again. Do not talk to me again. And I remember driving home just kind of in that sassa frassa rasa, you know, kind of like, oh, I can't believe he said that to me. Um, So this is when it gets really sweet. This is the crazy part of my story. And there's so much more. But about a week later, I get a book in the mail. I did not give Dean my address. You know, he must have, back in the day, you could look it up Mm -hmm. in the phone book. And it was The Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur. And he just sent it to me out of the blue. And he had the opening page that said, you know, um, there are many roads to destruction, only one to life, Dean. And, you know, I just, it's amazing to me, but I read it. I read, I didn't read anything. I was not a reader. I read scripts, but I never read, I hadn't read a book since I was in college, even then maybe. I told this to John MacArthur one time and he goes, he goes, you only read like the first couple of chapters and you were already convicted? He goes, that's all like about lordship, salvation, like kind of, you know, theology. It's not even, and I go, it did. It just from halfway between, from the time I started the book, I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was not going to heaven. I knew that the Bible was true and I was not true. And it just slayed me, this one book. Mm -hmm. So then I 
went out and bought a bigger Bible because I thought that would help. Bigger <laughs> Bible. Yeah, yeah. It was still red, you know, with red letter. <laughs> and uh, reading the Bible to see if what he said was accurate. Like, this mm. is what he's saying, and this is what happened. This is what he's saying, this is what Jesus says. I don't, maybe it was a month. Uh, just reading the Bible, reading the Bible, reading the Bible. No one led me to the Lord except John MacArthur's writings. I repented. I repented fully. I, re- I saw where my whole life, and it's like it was yesterday in my mind. It was 30 years ago, 31 years ago. I just saw my whole life flash before me. I was on my knees. And I just saw from the time I was a little boy, when I was five, when I thought God wanted me to be a preacher, to all the horrible things I had done, to the New Age mysticism I'd you know, been a part of, to uh, the drunkenness and all of that. I just saw the whole thing. And I saw what later I understood to be the kindness of God mm-hmm. that led me to repentance. Literally, it was not the fear of hell, even though that was in that. It was not anything other than just his goodness in his preserving of me that broke my heart. And so I repented. And uh, I I asked God to forgive me for my entire life, for everything I'd ever done, because I couldn't remember all the things I'd done. Not everybody has this experience, but I felt a tremendous burden lift from my shoulders because I literally was forgiven and I sensed it. Like I I could feel it. And I know we don't talk about feelings much at Grace Church, but I felt forgiven. So I called Dean up and I said, Dean, I, I just got saved. And he's like, that's awesome. He goes, go find a church. Again, not telling me to go to Grace Church, and so I, which later on I think is odd. But he goes, find a church. So I went looking for a church in Santa Monica and Venice, and I couldn't find a church. And I've said this before. I didn't think it at the moment, but I couldn't find a church where the preacher preached the way that that man wrote. Like I wanted somebody to explain the Bible to me because I never had that my whole life. Mm-hmm. Even when I was a little kid, the pastor who was a dear friend of my dad's and a dear friend of mine, he's with the Lord now, he would, he, would just, he would read a passage and then he would just rift on encouraging thoughts and how to be in the workplace. And he was just a motivational speaker and a sweet, sweet guy, but he never explained the Bible that I remember. Maybe he did and I mm-hmm. didn't know it. Um, but this man in the book was explaining the Bible. So went to like four different churches, couldn't find anything. They were all good, but it, what they weren't explaining the Bible. So I finally called Dean back. I said, I can't find a place. I, I don't know mm. what to do. And he goes, well, come to my church. And I go, it's like 20 miles away, Dean. I was living in, um, I was living in Venice, California. Mm. And he goes, well, the, the guy that wrote that book is the pastor of the church, John McCarthy. I go, well, why didn't you tell me that? <laughs> That's exactly what I've been waiting for. I mean, hello? So... Um, I got in my car and I went there that next Sunday and Dean sat with me, but that changed everything. John was in the book of Titus and I guess it was like 92, 91, probably, I think that's right. Everybody says Grace Church is big. To me, it wasn't big at all. And I'd been to smaller churches. To me, it was just that man preaching to me and everybody else just happened to be there. You know what I'm saying? Like, There's a lot of people at the church, but... It didn't bother me. I didn't feel overwhelmed. I felt like I need like food. I need this. And it was just amazing. And I started to grow. And, and that's really the blessing that I've gotten from being at Grace Church. Honestly, sitting under John MacArthur's teaching for all those years, it was just, uh, it's been amazing. But to be fed from the very beginning, to have been led away from New Age mysticism, from self kind of exaltation, from the world of acting, which I still taught acting. In fact, I taught acting to get myself through seminary. So I'm still doing that at night. But I was out of the bartending business just doing that. And uh, life changed a lot. 
And that's what, where I want to go next. So what are some, like, clearly for you, it was like major changes in your life. So can you walk <laughs> us through, through that process? Like, wh who, who are you at this point? Like, who is Tom now after Christ? Like, how did the Lord change, change your life from that point on? He did it really dramatically. Like I said, you know, I was living uh, with a roommate who was a guy that we used to always go out and, you know, do what we did. And I didn't mm. want to do that anymore. Mm. And instantly, he's like going, oh, man, you're brainwashed. Something's <laughs> wrong with you. And so I'd go out with him a couple of times. But I'd just sit there as he's like drinking. I'm just kind of looking around the room. And I'm, I'm totally turned off to all of it. Yeah. So I needed to move, you know, immediately. This was probably within the first month. I went to a Bible study at Grace Church because my, my friend Dean said, now you got to go to Bible study. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, what, what's, what's that about? He goes, well, it's on Friday night. I'm going, that's weird. Because <laughs> Friday night, my whole life has been Friday night's been devoted to just one thing. Yeah. And I go, what, what do you do there? And he goes, well, we, we come early and we pray. I'm going, okay. And he goes, and then we sing some songs and then a guy gets up and teaches. Okay. And then we break into application groups and we talk about how to apply to our life. And then we fellowship over food at the end. I go, how long does that take? He goes, it's like usually over about 10.30 and from 17. I go, that is cultic, man. I go, that's just weird. I'm not going to do it. He goes, Tom, Jesus died for you. You think you'd go to a Bible study? <laughs> and so Dean, who's my dear friend to this day, I said, okay. So I go to this Bible study. I met um, Aaron Schreock, who is one of the translators now at Master's uh, Seminary. He's part of the... Um, uh, he got his... Uh, he got his uh, doctorate degree from UCLA, but then started translating the Bible from it. Mm -hmm. He's a dear friend. Anyway, I, he walked up to me and goes, hey, I'm Aaron Triak. And I go, my name's Tom Patton, but you don't need to know that because I'm never coming back. That's like my first <laughs> blush with him. And he remembers that to this day. I saw him at Shepherd's Conference. And then I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved, mm -hmm. I loved the worship. I loved the teaching. I started to learn how to teach by listening to those teachers. Uh, in fact, I never missed a Friday night for, I don't know how many, 10 years. Uh, and I became the shepherd of that Bible study. So the Bible study that I'm never coming back to eventually raised me up to go to seminary. And so everything was really radically different. Even mm -hmm. my, my view of, of women, you know, I, when I first met my wife, Lori, she was at that Bible study a couple years after I got there. I had just, I didn't want anything to do with women at mm. all. I just wanted to learn the Bible. I had like been there, done that. That's a bad road. It leads to uh, sadness and brokenness. And I've messed up. I need to reinvent that part. I need to start over. Mm. So Lori starts to come. She'd laugh at my jokes. I knew that she liked me, but I, you know, but I wasn't ready for like two years. I wasn't ready. And I'm already at this point, I got saved at 30 so I'm almost like 32 by the time I ask her out. She's the only girl I've ever dated since I was a Christian. And then I asked her to marry me after a year dating her. And everything was different. You know, what was different about that? We were pure. You know, mm -hmm. first time I kissed my wife was when I asked her to marry me. Mm -hmm. That was like people that I knew that knew me from before. That was just so bizarre to them. You know, like, how do you know you're compatible? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going, yeah. well... You know, I think we can figure that out, but I, if we're compatible in Christ, that's the most yeah. important thing. So that was radical. So people just didn't even recognize me. I'd go home uh, from to Tulsa where to see my family. My father and mother were still alive at the time, and everybody just didn't know what to do with me. I was mm -hmm. just so different, and I didn't know what to do with me. I, I, I was see, In fact, the day after I got saved, I went to teach an acting class in Beverly Hills, and I went to the class, and I started to speak. And I said, excuse me, I'll be right back. And I went to the men's room and started washing my face because 
I was I was sweating. I didn't know how to talk. I mm. didn't. I was such a curseaholic. And, and, and so I was thinking, what am I going to say? How do I say? You know, I, I, I didn't even study the book of James at the time, but I already knew my mouth had to change. Mm-hmm. And so it was very slow, but it was dramatic. And everybody knows. So that's the one thing is uh, what I pursued was different. Uh, what used to tempt me, honestly, I was not tempted about at all. Um, what I wanted was just a, a pure relationship with a woman. I looked for Lori had to be Proverbs 31. I know that's a high calling there, but Proverbs 31 <laughs> and 1 Corinthians 13. So I'm looking for a person that knows love and knows what the Bible requires from her. And I mean, we were super blessed. She's, you know, she's the one. And, you know, the first time, like I said, I got down on my knee to, to ask her to marry me. It was the first time I kissed her. And when I came up, it was even kind of like an off, like, like here. And I could taste the, the salt of her tears because she was crying the whole time <laughs> I'm proposing to her. And it was just like, you know, that's like so different. Um, and you know, we didn't have any alcohol at our wedding. Everybody's going like, what's going on? You know, it's like, so all the people that I knew and all my friends, it was just a radical, radical thing. Even my brother who grew up in the church, uh, he didn't understand it. So I went home one time to visit him in Kansas city. And, uh, he said, no, I was talking to him about his life. And I said, uh, Grant, do you think you're a Christian? And he said, well, when you're not here, I do. So there was just the, the difference. It was a, yeah. a challenge to some people. I was just like anybody that was yeah. transformed. And so I think it really blew people away. It blew my employer away. Here's another side story. So the gal who I worked for um, was a Jewish gal, uh, Jewish uh, diva actress. She used to actually, she used to wear a cross and a star of David. And one time before I was saved, I asked her, I said, why do you wear a cross and a star of David? And she goes, just to be sure. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> Just in case. You never know how it's going to land. So, so I, she knew that I had come to Christ now, and she didn't know what to do with that. Mm. And so she thought she was dying one time of a disease and asked me if I would pray for her. And so I got on my knees and prayed right there. She says that she came to Christ in that moment. So now here's this Jewish girl who grew up her whole life, you know, kind of like my wife who's a Jewish believer. That's when she got saved. She became a member of Grace Community Church. Her husband, I baptized at Grace Church. And these are all these people. When I first started teaching at the studio, uh, the acting studio, Nobody was a Christian. And by the time, by God's grace, that I ended up, this has been 31 years now I've been teaching there, uh, most of the staff and the teachers are Christians uh, because of God's just amazing grace. Not because, you know, I led her to the Lord, but then she started to be an impact to other people. And uh, not everybody there is is a Christian yet, but we're working on it, or God's working on it. Yeah. So, So just really radical stuff. And not everybody, I realize, has a change like that. Some people... You know, most of the guys that I deal with in seminary, I teach a preaching class, and some of the guys there got saved when they were five. They don't even remember not being, they always believed in Jesus. They never had a point of departure. They can't pinpoint anything. And I'm so glad for them because, you know, I I would much rather have that testimony, but mine is more colorful because for some reason God wanted me to go through what I had to go through uh, to need Him more and not to just trust in my childlike faith of of sentimentalism but to really sit there and go wow i need christ i need to be saved i need to be transformed radically he did by his mercy yeah and i mean honestly as i'm hearing you i can relate so much to a lot of the things that you're saying obviously because i moved out here to 
right. pursue the film industry, right. right? And it can be such a dark place, uh, especially if you don't have other believers around you. And to hear about the impact, you know, like that you're in testimony and then to other people coming to the Lord and then they be in a testimony to those in the school, that, the studio that you've been working at. I mean, that is just something that I honestly haven't heard of, you know, because yeah. everyone I went to film school with, they openly said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe that that's a myth. I don't, I don't believe in God. Yeah, yeah. So um, what a blessing, honestly, to, to see the, the Lord using you and to, to bring people to, to himself. I that. mean, I had an acting student that used to follow me into the parking lot after class, and he would just ask me questions because he knew I was a Christian. He was just asking questions all the time. Over time, he ended up coming to Grace Church because he was so curious about where I was learning this stuff. And then he ended up getting saved. He went to Master's Seminary, graduated, and planted a church in Santa Monica. And this is just an acting student. When I met him, he was just this guy trying to do goofy plays. And then the Lord saved him. So it's been really, you know, I always tell this to people. If you say he's put at one place for a long period of time... Um, people start to kind of pay attention mm -hmm. and, you know, they can disc discard you and, and forget you and ignore you forever, you think, but they really can't. Eventually mm -hmm. that testimony of like, what is it? Why does he keep saying, Here, here's a real quick one and you can edit all this out if you don't want it. <laughs> I've got more stories than I have here. But anyway, um, there was uh, one time I was teaching another acting teacher's class and at the end of the night, this student comes up to me And he said, you have, hey, you have a second. I want to talk to you. And I said, okay. He seemed kind of gruff. He said, uh, remember the last time you taught in our class, you, you, you said something like, there's no one that's perfect. You said, oh, except one, but he's in heaven. And you just kept talking. And I go, I guess. I, I don't remember. Yeah, probably said that. And he said, I was really offended by that. And I said, oh, and this big guy. And I'm going like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm kind of like seeing where the door latches, you know, if I can make an escape route. And uh, he, he said, I grew up Mormon. And he goes, I had totally walked away from all of that. But when you talked about what you said, he goes, I went home and I got a Bible and I started reading it again. I went, that's awesome. You know, I, and I don't know to this day, his name's Adam. I don't know to this day what happened. But so things like that would happen all the time. And yeah. in the industry, it's different because you're not in charge of anything. You're mm -hmm. just, you know, a serf. You're just a, a slave, an under rower. But when you're a teacher you have a little bit more authority of what you can say and what you can't say. And so mm -hmm. it gave me a platform that you wouldn't have unless you were a teacher or a director or something mm -hmm. from that point. So God used that too. So people would ask me behind the scenes. And I got in trouble when I talked to people where, you know, I would tell them, you know, the gospel. And then I had my employers, even my Christian employer come up to me and say, you can't do that. You can't do that. You know, not unless they ask you. And I'm like, well, they're asking me, well, you can't do it on the on the grounds of the studio well, I'm in the parking lot. Well, you can't, you know, so it was very scrutinized. People are very yeah. scared, but I did it all the time and I got reported in the office because I told some kids, you know, I, I took some cussing out of your scene uh, and they go, oh, okay. And I go, well, just trust me, it's good for your soul. And then I kept talking to them, and then they reported me. What do you mean it's good for my soul? You know, and I just thought, well, it's better if you don't cuss. It's not, it doesn't yeah, yeah. save you, but you know, it's more palatable yeah, yeah. Uh, to listen to you. So, Yeah, I've had a really incredible experience on that. But yeah, the entertainment business, every time someone who is saved and comes to Grace Church is in the entertainment business, they tend to find me out. And I always have these conversations with folks, yourself included, just about how does, how does this work in this world? How do, you, how do you become a Christian and still be in this industry? And it is, it is challenging, probably maybe more than most. Yeah. Um, actually, the first time that I've ever 
heard about you know like that you had that you were in the business like in the business uh the film industry and all of that was it um i think it was sundays in july they mm, did a q a right. yeah. and that was really helpful to me just to be able to hear you guys talking you know from people that are in the business and how the lord have given you guys like or gave you know, have all this time giving you opportunities to share the gospel mm. which which for me honest i was like it's impossible like how do you even share the gospel with anyone in there and i think i was probably I don't know. I probably had already like recently graduated and it was just a blessing to hear that to me because uh, I also loved acting like always like my whole life. I just love that. But honestly, let's be, on- let's be honest. <laughs> After the Lord saved you, it's just like, yeah. I don't know, a lot of things change. And- well, there's not a lot of material that you can act. That yeah. I mean, there's a lot of questions. One time I did a Q&A at um, a church, a Presbyterian church where um, Reagan used to go, Bel Air Press. And they have a big acting department there. It's like the actors co-op kind of a thing. And so they had all these acting teachers that were professing Christians, which I didn't know there were any but me. And um, they had Q and A, and these all we probably had about a hundred people there asking questions. And um, I was the most disappointing, I think, of everybody because I'm not sitting there saying, you know, God is so glorified, and you know, you playing a prostitute, that's okay. <laughs> the ends justify the means, you know, type of thing. I'm like the opposite. I'm going like, you know, in what way? Are the words coming out of your mouth not your words, even though yeah. you're a character? And and people were scratching their head. I don't know about that. And I said, and it's not even about whether you're going to wear clothes or not, or if you're going to take the Lord's name in vain or not. It's really about the intention of your heart. Can you really believe that you hate this person? Can you really believe that you want to kill this person? And that's a part of the scene. Mm-hmm. You're, are you not held, held accountable for that? So. You know, there's so many limited things that people can do. So that's why we need really great Christian screenwriters. And they do have that more and more at the Masters University. Um, they're doing a great job out there. They just, uh, Matt Green just did a film and has done a lot of different little films where they're really trying to do that mm-hmm. and still make the, the script above reproach in terms of what you say and making the situations very complex and trying to produce some really great material at the same, so actors can act and you know be able to share their talent. But I asked John MacArthur many years ago, you know, is it sinful to be an actor? He goes, No, of course. He goes, But like every business, there's challenges to it. And you, if you're an accountant, you're going to be challenged to lie on your mm-hmm. returns. If you're an actor, you're going to be challenged to, you know, take that part that um, you would be ashamed of if your if your kids saw it. But you're doing it because you're excusing it away. One time, the first film I ever did after I became a Christian, and I didn't even know I was going to keep acting because my buddy, Dean, said, are you willing to give up acting to become a Christian? I said, absolutely. Like, it wasn't a lot to give up. It wasn't like a well-known name or anything. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I'll give it up, you know, like my two commercials or whatever. (laughs) And so, but I did get a film, and then they sent me the script, and the day before I was going to shoot, it had curse words in it. You know, and I'm going, oh, no, I didn't read the whole script. I just read the sides. And so I was calling different people. What should I do? What should I do? And no one really knew what to tell me. And so I decided I'm just going to show up on the set. It was like a three-day shoot. And I'm just going to not say it. I'll just say everything in the script but those words and just see what happens. Because it was too late to recast me. So I go on the set. And there was a guy named uh, Leif Garrett who was ironic because Leif Garrett was also in The Outsiders years ago. And he also went to our studio and I didn't get the job because of him, but he was there and he was an unbeliever and just a a really, really sweet guy, but just not a believing guy. And so I would be on the set 
And I would go back, go back to one. We'd go back into the corner of the room, and I would be like, anyway, so Jesus Christ is God. You know, and I'm sharing the gospel, and they go, okay, action, be right back. And then we'd go back in and do the scene. And so I thought things were working out. So yeah. then also we came up to this one part where I'm supposed to curse. And then, okay, here it goes, here it goes. And so I went right up to it, and I just didn't say the word. I said everything else in the line but that one word. And they go, okay, cut, let's do this again. We had something wrong with the lighting. Oh, by Tom, Tom, by the way, that's not the line. The line is this. And I said, yeah, I know, I just, I just don't feel comfortable saying it. And the director, not knowing, he goes, oh, you just don't like cussing? And I'm going, I just don't feel comfortable doing it. And he goes, well, then just say something like, oh, God, instead. And I go, that's worse. <laughs> so I got dug into a corner, you know, or painted into a corner. And so it's just challenging, you know. Yeah. That's why... Um, if you're going to pursue acting, either also get to a, a workshop with people who are Christian writers and people who are you know, determined to honor the Lord in that way. I don't believe it has to be a Christian film. You know, I think it has to be Christians working on the film, and they can produce really great stuff. But it's going to be threaded through Scripture in some way. They're going to have the Spirit of God guiding them, even if it's a fictitious story. But that um, there are avenues, I think, that we need to explore because I don't think, you know, the thing about Christian films are most people say they're just cheesy. And you see, and you go, wow, it's, uh, or the production value is low because they can't get the money. Yeah. But you, you can, and I believe you should, exercise those gifts if you can with the right talent around you. And that's what we have at Grace Church, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of gifted people at Grace Church that are wonderful writers, wonderful directors, have a great eye, great editors, and they're all believers, and they're all strong believers. And, yeah. you know, you've been there when we do teaching times. Yeah. We talk about the gospel more just going through those episodes, and it's just so yeah. edifying. I mean, I know we're, we're blessed. Uh, most people don't have that kind of gig, if you will. Yeah. But, uh, but it can be done. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that was honestly a blessing because I was like my first time being you know, with you guys in production. And it was just amazing. I'm like, wow, this is the first time I just get to be like on a set, you know. We're praying before we work and it's like, what? And then we're having food together and we're blessing the food together. I was like, this is not normal. This is not what I experienced the first time I had to work, you know, the the first job that I ever had in the industry. Uh, But that was just a blessing. And it is true. Like, I'm really, I always tell Jacob, you know, I'm just so thankful how much the Lord has blessed you guys with the talents and skills because they have really good quality with everything that they're producing. I mean, even the new movie that we're working on and all of that, you know, it's like, praise the Lord for that because we need more of that in the Christian community. Because like you said, I think my husband and I, we sometimes talk about that, how a lot of times, sadly enough, like the quality is just not good, like for Christian films, you know, that we've watched and we need to bump it up, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, there's, not to say that, you know, the end justifies the means at all, but one time I had some Christian actors in my group, and they asked me if I would do a film with them, and, and they so they paid for me and Lori to go to Boston, and I spent three or four days there, and we did a, a Christian film, but we didn't have Christians uh, in the crew. So mm. it was mostly just the actors and the writers, and it was such a great time there, because, like, we're praying before we would, you know, film, and these people, they're 
kind of you know grips and lighting they're just like not knowing what to do but it's a great testimony yeah. and the the thrust of it was not chapter verse in every single you know scene but the thrust of it was redemptive and it was just so it's a great opportunity you know yeah. not to think of it as evangelism but you can do it that way yeah I know that you mentioned earlier that um, you went to seminary. So if you wouldn't mind just like sharing a little bit about why did you decide to go to a seminary? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I was in Bible study, I told you like I thought I was going to be a pastor when I was five and then I was an actor. And, but I always had in the back of my mind that maybe I was supposed to be a pastor. Even when I was in the New Age religion that I told you about, and I got initiated into the uh, light realm through my third eye, I didn't know if you had one, but I did, uh, <laughs> that I was thinking even back then, so I was about maybe 25 at the time, I was mm -hmm. thinking, maybe this is it. Maybe this is what God was placing on my heart. And so I'm going to be like a high priest in this you know, movement. And then, of course, when that disappointed me and I got thrown and then I got saved years later, again, and this is just part, not everybody has this, but immediately I wanted to be a pastor, immediately. Mm -hmm. And in fact, my buddy who told me, he goes, no, Tommy, you're a new convert, you know, you got to slow down, man, this is too much. So John was teaching through the qualifications of an elder. He was talking about how, you know, this is what your life is supposed to look like, but that was not how my life was at all back mm -hmm. in the day. And so first time I ever asked John MacArthur a question, I stayed in line and I said, John, the way you described this guy, I go, you know, I thought I was supposed to be a pastor and none of this is me. And he goes, oh, that's, that's talking about before you're saved, not after you're saved. And I went, mm. I told you, Dean, I told you. It was radical. So I started to teach. They let me teach. Mm -hmm. I used to listen to the, all the guys rotating the Bible study, and I would take notes of the passage that they were going to do the next week. I'd study it on my own, and then I'd come up with my own conclusions, and then I'd wait to see how they preached it to see if I was right or not. Yeah. And so I was learning how to preach by listening to these guys. I learned about commentaries and Bibles and just trying to learn We used to have a thing where you would do a review. So the guy from the day, the week before, after he preached, you would go up and go, let's review from the week before. And I would do a one, no, three minute review. And then they said, okay, you can do reviews. We'll give you a chance to preach and to teach. And um, I went over to my disciple, the guy who discipled me, Dean, who discipled me for a year, wow. every Monday night, um, giving me scripture, making me uh, recite theology, um, going over my life. He would have me stand up at dinner, and then I would deliver to him and his wife the message I was going to teach the next night, and he would evaluate it. And so, you know, I just got on this thing where I just loved teaching, and I loved mm -hmm. studying, and I just wanted to do it. And so eventually, over the years, my, I, I don't know if it was, I say years, it might have been a year and a half, where people would start to come up to me, and they would say, in the Bible study, have you thought about seminary? Mm. And I hadn't, I dropped out of college to be an actor, so I, I didn't have anything able to complete to go to seminary and so my buddy says well you need to go back to college then and that's what you need to do so you can go to seminary so i'm 30 years old at the, no i'm 33 at the time and um so i went to the master seminary and i said look i i dropped out of college but i'd like to study here what do you think they well tom you know that whole acting background you know and you dropped out of school you need to go back to school just so you know in the meantime You know, everything had been computerized. And when I went to school in 19, between 1980 and 1982, 
we had typewriters. It was just, you know, the whole thing had I changed. Just one of those. Yes. Yeah. I had one. <laughs> really? Yes. So, I mean, yeah, I didn't know what, I didn't even know, I didn't own a computer, so I didn't yeah. know what to do. And I was actually heartbroken because they said, go back to school. And I mm. left and I was like, I had tears in my eyes. I'm thinking, wow, Lord, okay, if I got to go back to school, I will. <laughs> and they're going, it's better to have a, a master's degree than a bachelor's of theology. Um, and so, whoever was in charge at the time, uh, I just agreed to do that. So, I went back to school. Went to the master's university uh, professional studies program where I did that for like 20 months. And then I went to different Pierce College, Santa Monica College and got all my credits. And uh, about like I was only two credits away. And I went back to them and I said, oh, can I, can I do this now? And they go, oh, you didn't have to do that. Because a new guy had come into town. So the guy who was doing the admissions was different. And I'm going, uh, that's cool. I need to learn how to learn again anyway. Part of your sanctification. Yeah, right, right, right. It was. And it was, it was like, I, just, I didn't know how to write papers anyway. So yeah. I, I relearned it. Yeah. And so I went to seminary. And that was right at the time that we were getting into the building that you see as the seminary building mm-hmm. had just been completed. And so we were moving books from the basement of Grace Church into the basement of the wow. seminary building. Building. I, I joke with people all the time. It took me 10 years to get through seminary. Let me explain myself. <laughs> Best decade of my life. 10 years? Yeah. So most guys don't do that. They say it's a three-year program or four, you know, <laughs> and I went 10. So my dad died the first semester, so I dropped out. Uh, I had other things that I was falling asleep at the wheel So I, because I'm teaching acting every night. And so I'm coming home. I remember one time being on an off-ramp, and it was probably like midnight, 1230, and I woke up. This time, not from being drunk. I woke up and my foot is on the brake and I'm at a stop sign and I'm going like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And so I even, you know, talked to Lori about it. And it's like, what good is it to graduate if you're dead when you graduate? You know, it'd be good to have a ministry. And so I had a couple of semesters off from that. But I started to, I got asked to be an intern at the church in 2000, I think. And so, or 2001, and so I started a ministry there, and then I was asked to pastor in 2003. Uh, We had a singles group at Grace called um, The Guild, and it wasn't because of the Screen Actors Guild. They gave me that name. Everybody thought, oh, The Guild, yeah, I got it. It's all for actors. I said, no, I was given the name. And um, so I did that, and so ministry was now involved with study, which was involved with still teaching acting. I was just doing a lot and so I slowed down, and because I didn't really want to go anywhere, my, my goal was always to serve, honestly, at Grace Church. Uh, that was my home church. I wanted to serve under the pastor that led me to the Lord through his writings, and I didn't really have an aspiration to go anywhere else, and mm. people kind of knew that. I remember I was in a discipleship lab one time, and uh, Dick Mayhew was leading it, and he said, so tell me, what do you want to do with your lives after seminary? And the guy goes, I'm going to go back to you know, Pennsylvania, my home church, and oh, I know I want to go to Africa. And, and, this, and I said, guys, come on, let's be honest. We all want to serve here at Grace Church. Come on. That's what I... And I no, I don't, I don't want to serve at Grace Church. I want to go back home. And I thought, you're just kidding yourself. But I always wanted that. I always yeah. just wanted to be at Grace. They just let me take my time as I went through it, because what I was learning, I was applying and um, honestly, I don't think, you know, some guys can do it. Some guys can go through seminary like in two years. They're like geniuses. Um, but I, you know, uh, I wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I, and I needed the time to assimilate the information. And so for me personally, uh, instead of just reading the book real quick and then moving on, I got to actually read the book, you know, yeah. instead of just kind of learning, um, you know, theology. I really learned theology through just the 
process of letting it kind of get deep in me. So yeah, so that's why I went to seminary. There wasn't, there was never an option of where to go. It was the master's university first and the master's seminary. And that's when John's uh, teachers were there. So uh, Dr. Thomas, who was his Greek teacher, was at the university or at the seminary. Uh, Dr. Um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the name right now. Just all of these guys who had actually studied, John had studied with, were actually at the seminary. So I wanted to be with them. I wanted to learn directly from these same guys. It was just a joy. I, I think I have, like in the seminary building, if you go back there, there's graduating class pictures. I think I'm in more group pictures than anybody. People go, hey, you probably don't know my friend who was in seminary. I go, I bet I do. Because <laughs> yeah, there I am, there I am, there I am. There I am. So I just kind of kept showing up until they told me I couldn't do it anymore. And one guy, one guy who's not there anymore, he was my counselor. Goes, just move on, Tom. You know, get, he had a Scottish accent. Just, you know, do it better for your family. Get on, move on with life. And I'm going, I'm, this is my life. I'm not moving yeah. anywhere. So, <laughs> so awesome. that was, yeah. That's kind of sometimes it's an encouragement to yeah. older guys when they come in and they think. Oh, I can't do this. I'm going, yeah, you can. You can eat this elephant one bite at a time. You don't have to, you know, stuff the whole thing. You can just yeah. chip away at it. It's not obviously perfect for a young man coming in at like 22 or 23. But then again, when you graduate, if you're not 30 yet, most churches aren't really serious about a man until he's like 30. I don't know if it's yeah. because Jesus started at 30. <laughs> I'm not sure that principle. So you do have time to yeah. kind of study. and But that's the reason I did it. Yeah, and tell me a little bit about the different ministries that you're involved now at Grace Community Church. Well, I am, I'm kind of like a soldier that has moved from one ministry to another. I do all kinds of things. It started where it was a young ministry for uh, older singles, and I did that. I started that for the first three years, and then uh, I was asked to take on another group called Cornerstone that you mm-hmm. know now. Mm-hmm. And so I pastored Cornerstone for like nine years, and mm-hmm. then... Uh, I was asked to transition to John Street's ministry, which is uh, Join Heirs, because mm-hmm. they needed help there. And other pastors had come on with me at Cornerstone, so I went over there. I've done basically, on one level, pastoring just three or four different assignments, and that's mm-hmm. why I know as many people as I do. I was always uh, a part of this Grace to You television when Pastor John, I explained that to you earlier, mm-hmm. first had television, and I did that, which was a ministry that really wasn't Grace Community Church, but it was a part of my familiarity with the ministry that I did, the intros and outros there for maybe nine years. And then just, and I do, my my real title is pastoral care or congregational care, which means that we handle memorial services and we handle hospital visitations. And we're uh, writing a book right now about how to prepare for dying and or we're rephrasing it, how to prepare for life, mm-hmm. true life. So that's all been happening. I was also the membership pastor for many, many years. Um, and that was great because I got to know people through their interviews really well and mm-hmm. got to know about our, our theology and our church life. And so now um, I also just recently, that's how I met you, is through now um, the not really the pastor of Grace Media, but I'm the pastor that's responsible to guide Grace Media. Mm-hmm. And that's just because of uh, Ranger Joe. And yeah. that in and of itself, I don't know if we want to talk about that whole story. But oh, that, yeah. We, yeah. That, that, so, so here I am. I'm just doing what I've been doing for years and years and years, counseling, uh, teaching. Um, I, do, I, I do announcements at Grace Church. People know me as the announcement guy. <laughs> and, and it's a big blessing, and I love it. Yet what really set everything to a different pace was during COVID. So when COVID first struck, we didn't know what to do with it. 
Pastor John never stopped. He was always at the church preaching to an empty room. But we didn't know what to do with the kids. People were not were very reluctant to bring the kids back to a ministry. And yet they're starving. I mean, a lot of people go to church because of their children. And then they come to know Christ because they just want to make sure their kids are raised right. Uh, and explain this to you. I think it's great for people to know it because I think it's a great history. But we started doing vacation Bible school about five years ago. And we had not done it for many, many years. And Grace Church was always known for these great Bible studies and, and uh, summer uh, vacation Bible schools. And yet we hadn't done them for whatever reason, I don't know. So we kind of brought it back and it came back big. It was like a thousand kids and they had this yeah. whole, you know, kind of, uh, it wasn't Beauty and the Beast, but it was like a, you know, <laughs> prince and a princess. And and it was a really great first t- attempt. And I thought, well, I'd love to do that, but no one's asking, but that's cool. You know, I just, I think it's great that we're doing it. Yeah. So the next season, um, they said, hey, Tom, would you be a part of this? And I'm going, yeah, I love it. You know, because, you know, you, you've been training as an actor for all the years, but you don't get to do anything with it. And I thought, yeah, I'd love to do it for kids, for the church. You know, it'd be great. So they said, we want your two boys, which were smaller. I don't remember how old they were. They were probably 10 or... And um, can they help you? You're going to be minor Joe, and you're going to be a minor from deep in the hills, and you're going to come out, and you're going to teach everybody about the Bible, getting that gold. And, <laughs> and we had all these songs, and it was great. It was so much fun. It was really, really hard work. We would show up early, um, memorize it, and like, and then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we would do it twice in the morning when the kids came back. And it was just lovely. It was great. Mm. And the next year, they said, we want you to bring back Joe. The whole name was Joe. Uh, but you're going to be Giuseppe. You're going to be a different guy at the airport every time these traveling kids go to a new place in the world. And uh, so we have that kind of connection back to minor Joe. And it'll be just something that the kids will remember from the year before. Yeah. And then the next year, they wanted us to do Ranger Joe. And so I'm going, this is great. My kids don't <laughs> want to do it anymore. But I still want to do it. So I show up as Ranger Joe. And we had a whole week of doing that. So that was the summer of 2019, I guess. So when COVID struck before the summer of 2020, when we would have had another vacation Bible, they came to me and they said, look, the kids remember you from Ranger Joe. Can you bring back Ranger Joe? Do a video because the kids are at home. It's very bizarre. They're not seeing their friends. Mm. They don't have any uh, connection to the church. Uh, would you do that? And I said, absolutely. So they brought me in and we we did a video. And I was telling you this earlier. And then we did, okay, can you come back next week and do that again? Or actually it was like, yet tomorrow. Can you do it just another one tomorrow? And I'm going, okay. And, and I'd try another one. And people were having all these ideas of what we were trying to do. And eventually they said, look, we're going to do this until we open up again. And we're not opening up. Can you just, I was, it blew my mind. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this thing is like mushrooming into something. <laughs> so we've got writers and we have, uh, you know, people coming together and set design. And we had uh, a characters introduce, uh, Seth Bowling played Bobby. And we had uh, Stephanie Vickers come in and she did uh, Sarah. And we had three or four people that would just interact and we had Bible lessons and it was just it was amazing. And we had, I don't know if you, you've watched the early ones now or starting to, mm-hmm. we have questions from all over the world. So kids would see it and we we're saying, you know, is this being effective? And they go, we've got questions from Brazil, from Japan, from all over the world. 4,000 yeah. different churches are saying like, can we have this material? 
And so then I would kind of do like the Bible answer man, but I go, hello, this is Ranger Joe, and Ranger Joe, this is Bobby, and I want to know, does God have eyes? You know, or something like that. It was just these really cute little things, and I'm going, hey, Bobby, thanks for the question. And then I'd answer it, you know, biblically. That wasn't scripted. That was just something that I, you know, thought of in the moment, and yeah. uh, which was a blessing. I didn't really think of it in the moment. I rehearsed it, <laughs> but, I, but I was doing it in the moment. And it just became this blessing. For people, yeah. just like this unbelievable blessing, and none of us expected it, you know, uh, because we were running as fast as we could by the by the seat of our pants, trying to keep this thing going, yeah. and people are going like, "Wow, what a great show! And a great show!" Like we're literally making it up That's that cool. day, <laughs> and that just again goes back to the giftedness of Grace Community Church. And I mean, we've got script writers; we have three different script writers. Uh, at the time, it was three. They just did such an incredible job. And people, you have to remember, like we didn't have any ministry to do because the church is not functioning. So everybody in the church that could participate, all the different gifted people could sit there and go, yeah, I want to contribute. I want to contribute. And even where we were in the basement, you know, we had any space in the church we wanted to have for our set because yeah. no one was functioning. And uh, of course, when Pastor John had everybody come back uh, with the children, we had that big blowout, which was so yeah. great. Uh, it was wonderful, but then we had to notice that Ranger Joe was not going to continue. And so we're at the elders meeting, and Pastor John is talking to everybody about this, and he goes, and by the way, Tom, uh, we're going to have to kill Ranger Joe. And he goes, bear will eat him or something like that. He was joking, but I'm like going, oh, man, easy come, easy go. This was, was oh. a, What a blessing. But he needed the children to come back. We needed them not to have an excuse to stay at home. Yeah. I want to watch Ranger Joe, so they came back. But when they came back, they still wanted Ranger Joe, and so we did season two. And season two was a different director. Uh, Shannon's so great, but we mm-hmm. had before um, just a, a great uh, director, Kevin Ford, who was just, again, all these guys gifted. He's, he's not at the church anymore. He works at a different place, but he was there at the right time at the right place. And then Shannon came in, Halliday, and it's just been um, phenomenal. And, yeah. and like I said, Seth Bowling, who... I had done a film with, or actually I should say, I did a film with him. It was his film at the Masters University, The Man from Nowhere. And so I had met him, and when they suggested, who do you think for a character that could be your sidekick, I'm thinking, Seth Bowling's great, he's Bobby, he's, it's, it's really the Bobby yeah. show, and I just kind of show up. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's, been, it's been huge. So again, how does God do that? How does God know that something that I thought was totally out of my life uh, not never to be resurrected again, to be all of a sudden needed and used. And it's the funnest thing ever. You know, ministry is not always fun. Ministry is really yeah. hard. Yeah. And this ministry is fun. Like you go there and, and kids see you and wave at you. And uh, I got a great story from Carl Hardgrove where John MacArthur was on the front row by Carl. And this woman comes up and she goes, please, can I just have a moment? You know, I just, you know, and they undid the, you know, rope to let her come in. And she walks straight past John MacArthur to me with her son. We just wanted to meet you and Ranger Joe. And, and Carl goes, did you see that to Pastor John? He goes, I know who's in charge here. <laughs> me, like the kids like Ranger Joe. And I thought, wow, that's, that's unbelievable. Yes. When you go to a funeral and John was doing the funeral and I walked in and the kids were going, so John MacArthur's right there, but they're, they're because I'm the guy on TV, you know, doing Jerry the Ranger Joe. Joe thing. So he's been really kind to me about that. He, in fact, I ran into him the other day walking to his car, and he goes, hey, Ranger Joe. I'm not even Tom Patton anymore. Even to John MacArthur, I'm Ranger yes. Joe. So um, yeah. it's been huge. 
Yeah, I mean, even people that I know, I was telling you about a friend that she just loves, Randy Joe. She's an adult. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, and I was telling you about that story also during Shepherd's Conference. Um, well, before I even share that, so just uh, a month ago, I, a month ago, I think, January, I started working for the church now yeah. full-time doing social media for Grace Curriculum and Grace Productions. So that's why I've been, I think I mentioned some stuff before, but I haven't actually said it yet. So it's been a blessing just being part of, you know, this whole environment is just yeah. so encouraging to go and be among believers. And yet you're getting the word of God like daily, literally. My job exposes me to the word of God daily. Uh, being the social media, you know, uh, marketing and creator, content creator for Grace Curriculum and then Grace Productions during Shepherd's Conference, I kind of had to be like in both sides, like jumping around for, for both. And I remember one of the ladies, uh, we had a two booth and one that was like right in front of uh, the worship center. Apparently there was a man, an older man who came up and he is was asking during Shepherd's for, Conference? Yeah, this okay. is during, during Shepherd's Conference and an older man comes up and say... <laughs> You know, he comes up and they think that maybe he, the guy wants information about the curriculum and stuff. But no, he went there because his wife had told him to find Ranger Joe, that maybe he will be there at Shepherd's Conference. And he needed to get a picture with Ranger Joe. We need to stand up that they can just take a picture alongside, you know. That's but. what I was thinking about, actually, when they said, I'm like, yeah, we should just have something like a picture of Ranger Joe. And they can come and like get, get a picture of them with him. You know, it's so funny. I was telling you this earlier, but... There was a couple that came to Grace Church, and you might see them. Uh, their, their kids talk to me every single Sunday. We have a great relationship. They're so sweet. And uh, the parents came and said, I just want you to know why we're at Grace Church. And I said, sure. And they said, you know, when the shutdown happened with our church, which is a church in Santa Clarita, they said we couldn't go to church. We disagreed with our pastor. We didn't know what was going on. And so we didn't have a place to worship. And we found out about Ranger Joe. And we wanted that for our kids. So we started watching Ranger Joe together. And this, this is their words, not mine. They said, the theology of Ranger Joe was so much better than what our pastor was preaching on Sunday morning, we decided to come to Grace Church. Wow. So, so Ranger Joe, and what, really what that means is the script, because I just say the words, and this is yeah. the great writing at Grace Church, was more theological. So... That's when you know you've really tapped into something. I mean, people will do anything for their children. They want their children to get good teaching. Yeah. and But beyond that, they want good teaching for themselves. So how can they learn without having that? So, yeah, yeah the stories just keep going on and on. And we're, you know, scheduled hopefully for season three, like I yeah, said. Yeah, people are asking for season three, so. <laughs> we'll see. They've got this documentary. they got to get that done first. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, that's definitely keeping us busy. I mentioned it on the previous episode that we're doing um, the Essential Church um, documentary, so that's definitely keeping everyone busy and focused on, you know, the pre-production and then to get into production and all of that. I don't know by that time when this episode releases where we're going to be. <laughs> but yeah, but, uh, you know, just going back even... Um, to everything that you're doing, um, that that week that I was there during the teaching tips, you know, it's so amazing to see your background, obviously, as an actor, but then even you being a pastor now, mm. how you can not only contribute to, it's not only your acting that it's part of it, but even you as a pastor, when, you know, whenever you guys are recording anything, you can give feedbacks to, you know, to make yeah. it even, obviously everything that they do, it's biblical, but mm -hmm. things that, how is it going to come across for other people? Mm -hmm. And it's good to have that side, which I really appreciate it um, during the week that we were there to just hear that, you know, it's not like, oh, Tom Patton, just come here as an actor, but you're a pastor 
and you you kind of question, okay, will this be clear? Uh, how if we would do it this way? You know what I mean? Yeah. So you saw that. So like we would be uh, doing something, and I'm seeing this on a teleprompter. Yeah. And as I go through it, and sometimes I've looked over it, but usually I'm just seeing it in the moment it's happening. This is the first time I've seen it as I'm doing it. And I'm saying some words, and I go, wait a second, stop. I go, what I just said actually isn't true. Mm-hmm. And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, it, 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 it sounds good, but the truth is we could say it in a better way, and then I'll text mm-hmm. some guys, and we'll go over, and we have Max who works on it, who also goes through all the theology. But it's sometimes the phraseology of the theology is not precise enough. And yeah. so we go back and we do it again. Sometimes we'll shut down for like you know 30 minutes to an hour <laughs> yes. and go over that, and then we come back yeah. and... But how gratifying is that? Yeah. You know, so you're not just, uh, you know, a, a, a talking head. You're actually going up there and actually investigating to make sure. Um, and we have so many great theologians, even in Grace Media. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shannon Halliday, who's there, we're having these deep theological discussions just about everything that we're yeah. doing. So, and and everybody, the whole crew is just great, and it's just a it's a delight to be able to. You know, you're not acting. You're actually using communication as a vehicle to further the understanding of the gospel. And it's, yeah, it's like even when you're doing it, as I'm doing it, you probably feel the same way. You go, I can't believe this is something that now has culminated where I get to use gifts in this way so directly. Yeah, I kind of feel... And Sadie, too. Sadie's like a little theologian. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love that conversation between the two of you. She's she's very talented, really talented. But I, I, at one point in my life, I kind of felt the same way. I was like, well, I move out here to go to film school. I'm not going to be using my degree. I just went and wasted this time and going into that. And just to see how the Lord brought me to work now, a grace, and being part of the productions and everything, it's like, Actually, no, my time wasn't wasted in there. Look what you're you doing know? right now here. Yeah, and mean, even you know. here with the podcast, yeah. too. It's it's a blessing. It's, it's, a, it's a blessing to see. Not that the Lord even have to do any of this for us, you know? I mean, this is a blessing from Him. We don't deserve any of this. No. And it's truly a blessing that we can get to use those skills and talents that... We, you know that we so much enjoy doing you know so yeah. it's it's wonderful and so you're doing rain to joe then you also do teaching tips which is basically teaching the curriculum to or help to help teachers like sunday school teachers or parents at home how to use the curriculum basically right mm-hmm. and with adventure club as well so yes. we have teaching tips for generations of grace teaching tips for adventure club and something that will encourage the staff and you hopefully so I, I call people all the time, I'm part of Grace Advance as well. Grace Advance is uh, revitalizing churches and planting churches. And mm-hmm. so I help with churches in Canada and, and all over the United States and, and locally too. But there was a church in local here that called up and wanted my opinion about something. And so I'm trying to kind of shepherd them from afar. They called it an off-site elder. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to this guy and at the end of it, he goes, and by the way, he goes, my kids just love Ranger Joe. And so th- I'm not even, I'm actually talking about serious ministry. We're looking for a pastor for his <laughs> church and we're going through his qualifications. He goes, just pe- let people know. We use it all the time. It's wow. so important. So that also happens. And they're not just talking about me. They're talking about the fact that we have created a tool like that for them where they don't know what to say. In fact, somebody said it to me. Was it yesterday? I think it was. Um, people always are embarrassed to say it. They'll go, can I just mention Ranger Joe? Like at the end of the conversation, uh, they'll yeah. say, you know, my kids are, are just loving it, but they're going, but we're bene- benefiting from it. And we're benefiting mm-hmm. from teaching tips and we're benefiting from everything that comes out of 
Like mm-hmm. Generations of Grace, that curriculum is mind-boggling. It's it's mm-hmm. so well done, and people don't have resources like that. And now they want resources, and and we're helping. And again, it's just great to be a part of the event. It's you know you're just one station of many stations that connect like a train. You know, yeah. even if you're just the caboose, you're a part of the train, and it's a blessing. Yeah. And then you also have done Moments of Truth. Some of them you did it at the beginning, Maybe, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, I know they because I've been editing. Like I said, I've been seeing your face every day. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> My job is <laughs> just a teaching yeah, just But yeah, so you lady. did some. Um, in the beginning, they had originally thought that they were going to have Ranger Joe doing the Moments of Truth. Right, truth. that's right. But then they kind of changed it, and now so Seth is doing the Moment of yeah. Truth as well. So Kids love him. Oh, yeah, goodness. yeah, it's amazing. They go, hi, Ranger Joe, how you doing? I'm good. They go, where's Bobby? <laughs> so it's like, well, he's not with me, but is it okay if it's just me? No, yeah. where's Bobby? <laughs> I don't blame him. He's, he's it's great. amazing to see how they come, you know, to love those characters and and to know that it's just they're getting the truth and they're getting the Bible and the gospel presented to them in yeah. so many different ways, you know, very creative. So, yeah, so check Grace Curriculum and Grace Productions. I'll put the link here <laughs> because that's where uh, we're sharing. I mean, obviously, you can get the Grace Media app and the full videos for everything for Ray and Joe, teaching tips, moment of truth, they're all there in the Grace well, Media app. What people don't know about the media app? How, how, do, how do we get this out there without people having to know about that? Is that... So that's why we also have social media. So okay. social media, um, we've been able to tell people like, oh, and by the way, you can watch because we don't give the full video. Right. And in oh, fact, okay. I take one episode from like Ranger Joe and I probably split it into like four parts. So they will get just pieces and bits of the video. Yeah. So yeah. So if they want to um, watch the full video, they have to go to Grace, the Grace Media app and I'll make sure to include in your episode the link for that. And you're going to have so much more like even like Generations of Great Music, which yes. I was listening to this morning yes. and Hymnology with Phil Webb, which I love, love. It's it's wonderful. Mm. I, I listen to that too as well. And then there is something else called Everyday Theologian, which uh, Paul, Paul Twist, Twist yeah. had been doing. Then we also have been with MacArthur, which a lot of people People, I guess people were sending out their questions and mm-hmm. he will answer in like a minute and a half or two mm-hmm. minutes maybe. But yeah, we have many more content in there that it's been Now awesome. there's this new thing about uh, biblical thinking or thinking biblically from the Master's University. Is is someone, yeah, my son actually recorded some thinking of them. Thinking biblically? Thinking biblically. Oh, so it has it? Abner Chow. It has oh, a bunch of nice. different guys there, uh, uh, Grant Horner. And so the reason I know about it is because I saw it on our, on our media oh, app. Okay. And my son actually was filming those from because he's at the Masters doing That's cinema. Right, yeah. And so he loved that experience. He thought that wow. was just great. And I think Pastor John mentioned it uh, at Shepherd's Conference as well. So so okay. it's got so much there. People yeah. don't know what's there. And it's free. It's like free. the app, you just download it. You can subscribe if you want to. But I think... Or I think you have to subscribe just to watch the full content. Mm. Uh, but it's for free. Like, we don't charge anything for that. So um, it's wonderful. So check it out. And check out... Ranger Joe. <laughs> Thank you for what you're doing. Because if people don't know about it, they don't know. And it's great. Yeah. I think they said like 4,000 churches are are registered with it or using we have, Generations of Grace. After Shepherd's Conference, we went up to like 20, 29,000, almost 30,000, I think, downloads. Like people that are using the Grace Media app. Oh, wow. So a lot of people are using the app for sure. But yeah, so for those who are new to the podcast and never heard about this, then you guys can, you know. Download it <laughs> and watch Ranger Joe. 
All right, so now is my time to move on to my signature question for the oh, podcast. Oh, I, wow, I didn't know there was a signature question. <laughs> yeah, I have some, I, some friends gave me, helped me out with those questions, so I keep doing it because it's just fun. People yeah. seem to enjoy them, those questions. Do you have any books that have been helpful for you? Um, I know that you mentioned uh, that book, uh, The Gospel Accor- uh, yeah. According to Jesus, but books that have been helpful for you or favorite books that you have. You know, the one I always recommend is uh, Studies in the Sermon on the Mount by mm-hmm. Martin Lloyd-Jones. And the reason I say that is because when I first became uh, a Christian and I was going to do a study on uh, the Sermon on the Mount, a friend of mine said, you've got to, this is before I even knew John MacArthur also said it was one of the most profound books he ever read. He goes, you've got to read the Sermon on the Mount with Martin Lloyd-Jones. And so I read it. It was life-changing. I taught through the Sermon on the Mount using his commentary and Pastor John's and other people's. But it was just so life-altering, especially the Beatitudes. It was just such a great thing. So when I have men that want to be discipled, many times I'll say, well, let's just do this. You Mm. you get the the Sermon on the Mount by Martin Lloyd-Jones, and we'll go one chapter at a time. You study it, you break it down, and then I want you to preach it to me the next time we meet and or teach it. They're usually sitting. And so Mm. it is so... I've done that like four times probably with Mm. different guys, just going through that book... So if you haven't read Studies in the Sermon on the Mount uh, by Martin Lloyd-Jones, it, it'll change your Christian world. It, it, it'll, I think it deepened my understanding, my appreciation. And I think sometimes people literally have never heard a better explanation than this man. So mm. he's my favorite. I got two of his portraits in my office because you know, I love <laughs> Martin Lloyd-Jones. That'd be my first one. Um, you know, other books that I've read, I mean, I'm just such a... You know, I'm I'm such a I like Puritan works, but I can't suggest all of them because they're just little paperback, uh, small. But you know, anything by Thomas Watson, anything by um, um, well, I love John Bunyan too, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> and, and by the way, one of the best books for you to read if you're going through anxiety is by John Bunyan, and it talks about the exceeding grace of and it's John Bunyan's autobiography. It's very small, but it's powerful. But those are probably the go-to ones that I always think of. I can't say that I've finished Charnock yet, Attributes of Existence of God, but that's another great one. Uh, but most modern books, I've just read everything that John MacArthur has written. Yeah. If I only had two books with me, Gospel According to Jesus and Sermon on the Mount by Martin Lloyd-Jones would be the two. Perfect. Uh, awesome. And what are three things that bring you joy? Well, my wife, uh, my children, my boys. I don't know if I... Had mentioned to you, but I've got three sons that have all professed Christ, and God allowed me to baptize them all. So mm-hmm. that just happened like last two weeks ago. I had my third son baptized. So mm-hmm. I actually said this to my oldest son in the company of another guy. I said, "Now that that's done, I go. I could go to heaven now. I'm, I'm done." And he heard that, and it really moved him. He didn't realize how important that was to me. Mm-hmm. But so that brings me intense joy. Uh, my wife, first and foremost, my sons. And I think just the acknowledgement of the fact that, I mean, it sounds silly, but that I just have a place at Grace Community Church to be able to teach and preach and, and to minister to people there of the gospel, that I've mm-hmm. been saved and been able to be used in that way. I mean, we don't think this way, people don't usually, but there's nothing special about us. I mean, mm-hmm. we have like some of the biggest, most incredible, talented preacher, preachers and teachers, preachers and teachers at Grace Church, but... And John MacArthur even said at the last elders meeting, he said, never, he goes, I don't know any church that has this amount of giftedness and these kind of preachers in one church. Mm -hmm. 
but none of us are, we're all disposable. Yeah. None of us are needed. Uh, it's all God's grace. And, and when we're gone, somebody else is going to come and fill that same step. Even Pastor John, when he moves on or, or decides to, uh, he'll never start pastoring. But So he'll basically, when he goes to heaven. He said that no, no one's going to take him down. I, I don't think so. He goes, as long as I keep making sense, and he does. <laughs> so then he'll be replaced by someone else, and, yeah. and it just goes on and on and on. So, you know, we're not, we're not special. You know, we're mm. just uh, clay pots but how special it is to be used at a church like that. I mean, you discovered, how did you discover Grace Church? I forgot, you told me. So uh, I was actually on the way to the Walk of Fame. I was in the bus with my right, friend, right. and uh, the bus stopped right, right in front of Grace Community Church, and it said Grace Community Church, but it didn't ring a bell there. And then I saw the name John MacArthur, and then I remembered that I heard that name. In fact, they told me about Grace to you. I tried listening to his sermons, but... I, I, I was like, this man is too mean. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Remember right. that yes, I told you that? That's right. But then uh, we got off the bus that day and went to, it was Sunday evening, went to the church, inside the church, and Pastor John was preaching there, mm. and I stayed. I didn't even go to the Walk of Fame. Oh, and then right. I, I was, you know, I went on and off, but um, eventually the Lord brought me to the church. I yeah. mean, that bus could have let you off anywhere. Yeah. But it let you off at Grace Church. And yeah. that man who I happened to work with in a restaurant so many years ago could have gone to any church and been saved through any ministry, but it was through Grace Church and John MacArthur. And, you know, how does that happen? That, mm. that we are so blessed. And my wife, I didn't even give you her testimony, but... She was just sitting at a counter, and some girl came up to her and said, Are you a Christian? And she said, No, I'm Jewish. And so she explained the gospel to her and said, Why don't you come to Grace Community Church? And that was her first church she ever was at, was at Grace. Wow. So, you know, God's grace at Grace is abundant and yeah. profound. And, and we're all, I mean, if we were worldly, we'd say, How lucky are we? But we're mm -hmm. not lucky. We're just blessed. We're blessed. Yeah. And everything that we've been talking about here, you know, it's all to the honor and glory to of Christ. Um, every testimony, it points to Christ. Yeah. So why do we need Jesus Christ? Well, without Him, we're lost forever. Um, you know, Christ is the only way to God. He said, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no name under heaven by, other than His name by which we must be saved. Uh, without Christ, you're on a, a, a hell-bound journey to an, an incredibly agonizing future forever. And as I said in my testimony, though, and beyond just the peril of, of hell, the one that made you, the mm -hmm. one that created you by his own thought, just thinking you into existence because of his own kindness, who has loved you before the world ever began, who knew you, he is worthy to be honored. He's worthy to live for. And I don't think people understand sometimes about the gospel. It's not just an option. It's like an ongoing, mandatory, consistent, never-ceasing reality. It's just, yeah. it's the greatest reality in all the world. So, you know, if you don't know Christ, you know, seek Him. Uh, if you seek Him, then He will let you find Him. And he grants you repentance, and he grants you faith, and he gives it as a gift, but it's a gift that costs everything. And still he's worthy, as the Bible says, the lamb that was slain to receive honor and riches and glory forever and ever. Mm -hmm. 
And I am a big fan of the podcast from uh, Elizabeth Elliot, which I'm yeah. so thankful that they uh, made it made it a podcast. Um, and I love always something uh, that they say it a lot, but say often in her podcast, and it's that there is nothing worth living for unless it is worth dying for. And if we're not living for Christ, then life is worthless. It's not worth living for. So uh, that is our hope that if anyone who listens doesn't know Christ, they will come to know him. Yeah, you know, I think it was Martin Lloyd-Jones that said the same thing in a different way. He said, uh, many people say they're willing to die for Christ, mm. but are you willing to live for him? Mm. You know, so just that little different perspective because, yeah, being a martyr sometimes can feel kind of cool. You know, mm. being a martyr, you know, I'm, I'm somebody, but are you living for him now? That's the question that confronts all of us all the time. Yeah, amen. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Tom, for joining us. You're so yeah. kind. Thank, thank you for you. asking me. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're you're just doing a great thing. Great thank you work. so much. And praise to God for the opportunity to be able to do this. And uh, thank you, friends, for listening to or watching on YouTube uh, to this podcast. Um, it is truly a joy to be here every other Tuesday. That's how we're doing it. It's we're okay. sharing. Yeah, we do every other Tuesday at 9 a.m. Again, if you guys want to watch Ranger Joe and everything that we have mentioned here on this podcast today, I'll make sure to add the links here on the show notes. So Grace Media app, if you go to Grace Media app, that, sorry, Grace Media, that app, that's how you can find it. You can download it from the Apple store or Google store, I guess that's what it's called. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so and then uh, you will be able to find the links there. And again, if you want to find us on social media, the links will be here also on the show notes. Thank you so much. And will you mind just closing us in prayer? Sure. Heavenly Father, we have rehearsed over and over again your particular goodness to us, a goodness that we do not deserve, that none of us have achieved, but because of your great wisdom and mercy and love. We have all been dead in our trespasses and sins, but it's because of your greatness, God, because of your compassion. You have, as your word says, made us alive together with Christ. You have risen us from the dead spiritually, and now you hold us in your palm. We ask that all who watch this might be encouraged, that they would understand more of perhaps the ministry of the gospel, of the future hope that they have and that the results of this podcast and all of them would be that people would come to know you as the great King of kings and Lord of lords that you are. And we ask your blessing upon this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.